10, but the Bible says that, you know, they all passed through the Red Sea, which is a type of the new birth. They all drank from the same spiritual rock, which is Christ. So these, the people we're going to look at today, these were saved people. Now, one thing I've learned about saved people is saved people don't always act like they're saved. <laughs> and uh, including me and probably including you. And, uh, but we're saved nonetheless because of our faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, we ought to always act saved, but I've found that most saved people don't always act saved. And you're going to see that this group of people that we're going to look at today, they, a lot of them didn't act saved, but yet they were believers in the Lord. They followed Moses out of the Egyptian bondage. They passed through the Red Sea, which again is a type of the new birth. They all drank from that same spiritual rock, the Bible says, which is Christ. And uh, the Bible says that, that, that the things written about the, the, the Israelites in the wilderness were written for our warning or our admonition. A warning and a counsel to us that we don't make the same mistakes that they did. So it's important to look at, at these people uh, from time to time. And that's what we're going to do today. Now from Egypt to the promised land was about a two-week trip. It was about a two-week trip, maybe a little longer than that, about between two and three weeks. Yet it took them 40 years to get to the promised land. Now, you know a two-week trip should not take 40 years, should it? But there's a reason why it took them 40 years, and uh, we'll see that today. So they come out of Egypt. They go across the Red Sea. How many remembers the Red Sea crossing where... God parted the sea for them. And, and it t- takes them about a year to get to this place called Kadesh Barnea. And they're just right there by the promised land. It's not too far away from Canaan, the promised land. And the Lord directs Moses to send out spies. And he sent out 12 spies to spy out the land. And we're going to learn some lessons from these 12 spies here today. Now, Numbers 13, we're going to be reading a lot of verses here, but you can follow along. Numbers 13, this is from the New King James, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now, you need to realize, did God want them to have this this land? He's given it to them, right? So it's the will of God for them to be there, and God's going to help them. Is that correct? Sure, sure it is. So, anyway, he says, From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the commandment of the Lord, all of them, all the men who were heads of the children of Israel. And then in the next verses you can read about those twelve spies. Verse 6 mentions a man named Caleb. You ought to underline that or highlight that. Caleb. We're going to talk about him today, Caleb. And then in verse 8 mentions a man's name, Hoshea. Now most people have never heard of Hoshea, but that, that word means salvation. Hoshea was a, was a man's name. But in verse uh, 16, if you look at verse 16, Moses changes this man's name from Hoshea to who? To Joshua which means the Lord is salvation. And so his name went from being salvation to the Lord is salvation. But nonetheless, we've got how many spies? There's 12 spies. And we've named two of them specifically, Caleb 
in verse 6. You're going to want to remember him. And then, of course, in verse 8 and verse 16, of course, we see Joshua, the son of Nun. You'll want to remember him. And he eventually, of course, took over for Moses after Moses died. Now, in verse 17, this is Numbers 13, 17, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps uh, or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Uh, you know, bring that back. Now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. And then it lists some other places there. The and then it note, notice here, the descendants of Anak were there. Now, if you don't know, you need to know and make a little note there in your Bible. These were the giants. Giants. And when I'm talking giants, I'm not talking uh, 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 about just somebody that's kind of kind of tall. We're talking about, there's one place the Bible describes them as being as large as, as cedar trees. Large cedar trees. I mean, 12, 15 feet tall. We're talking about uh, giants. And, and, and people have asked, where do the giants come from? Some believe that they were the offspring of fallen angels and women, which is very possible. As you study the Old Testament, it is possible. And... Uh, and much we could say about that, I don't have time to teach on the giants right now. But these were, these were, these were not like the jolly green giant. You know, how many's ever? Heard? These were not, not nice people at all. They would eat you for lunch if they could get a hold of you. You need to understand that. Do you realize that? You need to realize bad. These were bad, evil people that rejected the Lord. Very sinful. You need to understand that. And so they were in the land along with these other. All these people that. You know, somebody asked me one time, why did God direct Moses to go into this land and kill all these people? And the reason was is because they were evil, horrible people that rejected the Lord. They were bent on sin. They wanted to sin. They didn't want to repent and turn to the Lord. Now, if they would have wanted to repent, they could have, but, but they didn't. And so, Anak, when you see Anak, you think of the giants. And uh, then it, it talks about verse 22. Now, Hebron was built seven years, so on and so forth. Verse 23. Then they came to the way of Eschol. And there, now watch this. They cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they carried it between two of them on a pole. Now, think about those kind of grapes. I've never seen grapes come from Schnucks or Deerbergs that look like that. These were just, these, these grapes, one grape might have been as big as a, as a cantaloupe or a watermelon. I mean, can you imagine what the watermelons look like if the grapes look like this? I mean, this, this was a land, God told them it was a land that flowed with what? Milk and honey. Beautiful place. But there were evil people that had, uh, had, had inhabited uh, the land. You know, let me just say this. It's not in my notes, but I'll just say this. That uh, if, if you don't rise up in the authority of the Lord Jesus and possess what God has given you, if you don't do that, the devil will take over what's yours. You, you need to realize that. I said the devil 
will take over what's yours. And, and he won't lose any sleep over it. He'll, he, how many of you know he's a thief? And if you, don't, if you don't possess what God has for you, the devil will be more than glad to do that. And that's what happened here in the promised land. you got all kinds of demonic people living in it. And, but but uh, flowed with milk and honey. You could see what the grapes were like. The rest of verse 23, they also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eschol because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down were there. Verse 25. And now notice, they returned from spying out the land. How, how long were they out there spying the land in verse 25? How long? Now you'll need to underline that because it's very important. Forty days. How long were they there? Forty days. Okay. Spying out the land. Verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron. So they're going to bring back the report. Of what they found. And all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them. And to all the congregation. And showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said. Now they're giving report to Moses you know. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Very beautiful fruit. Nevertheless the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. Now, Anak is what? The, the giants were there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. In verse 30, now watch this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, now notice what Caleb says. He said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Now I like people like Caleb. How about you? Verse 31, but. Too bad there has to be a but here. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Now, God said they could take it. Caleb said they could do it. But now you've got some people here saying we can't. Evil report. Bad report. No faith here. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a what? A what? A what? A what kind of report? Bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, sure, they saw those giants. There we saw, and then they say it, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. Came from the giants and so forth. And we were like, now notice what they said, and we were like what? In our own sight, and so were we in their sight. Now, Think about that. They saw themselves compared to the giants as grasshoppers. Because it says we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You know it's important the way you see yourself in the Lord. These people saw themselves as grasshoppers. As insignificant as we can't do it. There was ten of them that had this bad report. But it's interesting when they say this. Now watch this. And so we were in their sight. Now how did they know that? Now, they were grasshoppers in their sight, 
But they said we were also grasshoppers in their sight. In other words, they're saying that the way those giants and, and look, the, the way they looked at us, they saw us at grasshop, as grasshoppers. Do you know that that's not true? Now let me prove it to you. Let's go ahead 40 years down the road. Can we do that? You, you, you know what? 40, we're gonna, have you ever seen in a movie a flashback? Well, we're going to do a flash forward here. Let's go 40 years down the road. And go to, hold your place here in Numbers 13. Go to Joshua 2. And we'll see how the people, you see the, the, those ten spies said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and that's the way they saw us. That, the, those bad people, those giants, they saw us as grasshoppers. That was a lie. That was, that was false. False, false, false. Let's go to Joshua 2 and see what the giants, what, what they, how they saw the people of God. This is 40 years later. Now Moses by this time had died and now they, they, they're getting ready, to, under Joshua, they're getting ready to go in and finally take over the promised land and conquer it. And in, in chapter 2 verse 1, notice this, now Joshua the son of Nun sent out how many men? Now you ought to underline that, two men, and, and this is just a little side note, I wonder why Joshua, now Moses sent out 12 spies now, Joshua, 40 years later, he's only sending out two spies. I wonder why that is. Could it be that when Moses sent out 12, and he did it at the direction of the Lord, how many came back with a good report? Two. So maybe Joshua doesn't want to take any chances. You're just gonna, we're not going to send 12. We're going to, only going to send two. We want to get a good report. I don't know. Just a little side note there. But how many spies did Joshua send out? He sent out how many? Two from Acacia Grove to spy out and so forth. He says, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of the harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Now verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. And here's what... Now, now here is what Rahab says. And he, she's going to tell us... Remember how when the, the ten spies went out, ten of them said, we were as grasshoppers in their sight... Here's how these people really saw the children of Israel some 40 years before. Verse 9. So she says to these spies, these two spies, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror, the, the what, the what, the, the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all of the inhabitants of the land are what? Faint hearted because of you. You see, Let's just read on. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. Well, that was 40 years ago when he did that. For he dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Shihon and Og. Now, Og was the king of the giants whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts what? Melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Think about that. You see, it's important how we see ourselves in the Lord. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And they said our enemies see us as grasshoppers. But how did the enemy see them? The enemy didn't see them as grasshoppers. What did the Bible say? The enemy was faint-hearted. They, they, their enemy was scared silly of them. And you know, it's no different today. 
when, when, when something comes up, you know, that, we, that, that challenges us in our everyday life, the devil will come in with thoughts. Has he ever come to you with thoughts? And he'll say, you know, you're no match for that. You can't stand up to that, even though the Lord said you could, even though God's for you and, and all of that. But when you stand there looking at the enemy, the enemy can look so large and, and you can get a small view of yourself and you can begin to think that, you know, that enemy sees me as very insignificant and small. But you need to realize the devil is afraid of us as long as we're in Christ. Did you, did, you, did you hear what I just said? You need to understand that, you know, when I used to play baseball as a kid, I'd go out there and I was defeated before I ever got out, out before the first pitch ever was thrown because I'd look at the other team and some of them were large and big and whatnot, you know, and I thought, how can we ever beat those guys? And, and, and you know, if you're defeated before you ever walk out there in your mind and in your heart, how many of you know you don't have a good chance of winning? Is that right? And God has worked on me over the many years, and I'm far better than I used to be. But it, it, even when I played golf, when I was a kid, I was, I'm not that good of a golfer anymore, but when I was a kid, I was a pretty good golfer. And a lot of times, I'd be defeated before I ever got to the golf course, before I ever got on the first tee. I was just sure that the other guy was going to be better than me. Now, you know, if, you, if you're thinking like that, if that's the attitude you have, how many of you know it decreases your chances of winning? And the same thing is true. In our everyday life, as we, as we face the affairs of life, most people, most Christians, are defeated before they ever get up in the morning because they see themselves as insignificant, as, you know, they, they can't make it, they can't do it, and so on and so forth. But God says that in Christ we're more than conquerors. Is that right? And so we need to get a view of that, and we need to see ourselves that way, and we also need to realize that the devil does not see us as weak and all of that. He'll try to make us think that. But the devil sees us in such a way that he's scared silly of us because we're in who? We're in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. But these, these, these ten spies that Moses sent out, they, they, they had a defeatist attitude. Now Joshua and Caleb were different. But can you see from reading here in Joshua, the second chapter, how the enemy really saw the... The, the people of God back 40 years before, they were, they were scared silly of them. And then in verse 11, we'll read it again. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. And then you could read on in verse 11. Rahab, she declares that the God of the Israelites is her God and she's a saved person and, and that's good. But the point is, is that how did the giants see the people of Israel? Were the giants afraid of them, yes or no? Yes. Can you see that? Can you see why the ten spies, they, they really did have an evil bad report, didn't they? Was it a true report that they brought back? Was it? The ten spies, was it a true report when they came back and they said that our enemies see us as grasshoppers? Was that true? No. Now, did they see themselves as grasshoppers? That's true. But did the enemy see them as grasshoppers? No. The enemy was scared silly of them. Is that, is that correct? You need to think about that for a minute. It's very important to the story here. Why did it take them 40 years to make a two-week trip? It was because of that right there. The way that they perceived themselves, and there's other things we'll see here, and the way they thought their enemies perceived them. Okay? Are you all right? 
Now look at Numbers 14, verse 1. So all the congregation... Now notice, this is we're going back 40 years now. We're going back to the spies have just returned. They just gave, the ten of them gave that evil report. Now which two spies had the good report? Do you remember? Joshua and Caleb. But now we're back in Numbers 14, verse 1. They had just delivered, the ten of them have just delivered this bad report. Now look at verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. So from right here, who did they believe? Joshua and Caleb or did they believe the other ten? The other ten. They believed a lie, didn't they? What was the lie that they were not able to go take the land? And so they're crying, they're weeping. They wept all night. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel, what did they do? What? Now, let me just tell you, you ought to underline that word complained because if there's one thing that kept them, or let's say it this way, if there's one thing that caused them to take 40 years to make a two-week trip, it was this thing right here, even more so than, than believing the bad report and all of that. Real loud, say complain. Say it again, complain. Uh, this thing right here of complaining will hinder you in your walk with the Lord. It'll set you back. It'll keep you from advancing. It'll cause you to take 40 years to make a two-week trip. And actually, this thing of complaining here, it took them 40 years, but you're going to see as we read this story, as we go on with this, that the group that complained, that first generation that complained, they never did get to go into the promised land. Did you know that having a bad attitude and complaining and being a moaner and a groaner and a complainer will not only cause you to take 40 years to make a two-week trip, but it's worse than that. You never will get into what God has for you. You never will. And these people, these were the the, the people of, uh, of Israel that came out of Egyptian bondage. They were some of the biggest complainers that I have ever seen in, in the entirety of the Bible. Complain, 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 complain. Has anybody in here ever complained besides me? I tell you what, I've complained. Now, I've never really complained much from the pulpit, but I've been a complainer here and there behind the scenes, and I'm here today to tell you that it has cost me. There's things that God had for me that I'll never get to walk in, the fullness of them, because I was a complainer. You need to understand that. There are some things today that I could be walking in. I'm convinced of it. But it's kept me, uh, uh, complaining has kept me from it. Now, I've repented a great deal. And I've changed some things. Isn't it good we can repent and change? And God will forgive, forgive you? Certainly He has. And, and some things that God has had for me to walk in, I've repented and I've gotten to walk in them because I repented. But you know what? Complaining can cost you. It's a serious matter, dear friends. It's not all right to complain. I said it's not all right. I said it's not okay. I said it's not all right. It's not all right to be a moaner and a groaner. It just isn't. You understand that? You need to realize that. It's not okay. 
It's not okay to complain about anything. I've learned this. You complain about stuff, God will start taking that stuff away from you. I've lived it. I've watched it. I've watched other people. You better get real thankful for what you do have so that God doesn't take those things away from you. Now, I've watched God and I've watched Him operate. Did you know He won't ever take away the basic necessities of life from you? How many of you have children in here? And they've disobeyed. Would you ever withhold food from them? No. Would you ever withhold water from them? No. Would you ever withhold shelter from them? No. Because you're good parents. God's the same way. But would you withhold television from them? Would you withhold going out uh, on Friday night from them? Would you, would you withhold going out with their friends from them as a grounding? Would you? Well, yes or no? Sure you would. So you'd take away some of their desires, wouldn't you? To try to get them to see. And see, God does the same thing. And, and the thing of it is, these people that complained, they never did get to go into the, as we'll see, they never did get to go into the promised land. Now look at here at verse 2. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole, real loud say whole congregation. So it wasn't just one or two. It was the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Now you've got to remember back in the land of Egypt, they were getting beat up every day, weren't they? They were working like dogs every day, weren't they? Why would you want to go back to that? Getting whipped every day. Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword? Now watch this. Then he says that our wives and children should become victims. You ought to underline that. Children should become victims. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Real loud say no. No, it's not better to go back there. Why do you want to go back there? Well, we were eating regular back there. Yeah, but you're also getting beat up. Didn't I just say that a minute ago? They were in hard bondage back there. Why do you want to go back to that? It's amazing. These people, and and we'll see it. God's even going to say it here in a minute. It's amazing. These people saw some bizarre things, didn't they? They saw those ten plagues. They, 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 they watched God protect them through a lot of it. They saw the death of the firstborn. God protected them. They watched God part the Red Sea, held, hold off uh, the Pharaoh's army and all of that. They watched God drown the Pharaoh in, 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 the, in the Red Sea. They saw some stuff, didn't they? And they're still grumbling and complaining. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments and in the process of time they made a golden calf and they're bowing down to the golden calf and giving that golden calf credit for parting the Red Sea. Isn't that unbelievable? But there are some people today that are no different than these folk. I'm talking Christians. These were saved people. I told you that when we started the message, didn't I? That they didn't always act saved. Verse 4, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. So they were going to boot Moses out. God selected Moses. They were going to kick Moses out, raise up somebody else, elect them and return to Egypt. Isn't that, I mean, sad, isn't it? Then Moses and Aaron, and remember as we read here, we're supposed to be learning lessons. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that. We didn't read it, but I pointed it out. Then Moses, verse 5, and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Verse 6, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Now, why 
do you tear your clothes? In the Bible, there are several reasons that they would tear clothes. One would be in despair. One would be in sorrow. One would be in anger. Another one would be because they're appalled. Maybe it was all of those because Joshua and Caleb were probably appalled at the way everybody else was acting because they wanted to go take the land. Verse 7, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. I like Josh and Caleb, don't you? Verse 9, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. In other words, what do they say? We can chew them up and spit them out. I like to have somebody like that. I should have had that attitude when I was golfing many years ago as a kid. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to chew my opponent up and spit him out. I mean, not literally, but I'm going to beat him. You know, that's a good attitude to have, isn't it? How many of you know you can be respectful and still have a good attitude like that? Then I can be a winner, right? And then notice, he said, they'll be our bread. In other words, we'll go up there, chew them up, spit them out. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Boy, I wish the people would have listened to that. But they didn't. And all the congregation said, what did they want to do to Joshua and Caleb? Help me out. They wanted to what? They wanted to stone them. Let's stone Joshua and Caleb. Let's have an election. Get us another leader. Go back to Egypt. Let's stone Joshua and Caleb. You need to remember that. See, this attitude kept them from ever entering into the promised land. Now, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. And notice verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? They were wearing God out. If you can wear God out, but he was, you know, how long will they reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? That's always shocked me about people. Jesus, the greatest miracle healing ministry of all time. He went in to towns and healed people left and right. And those towns would not repent and believe. Isn't that something? Unbelievable. Verse 12, he says, I'll strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. Well, I don't want God to have that kind of attitude about me. He was upset, wasn't he? And I'll make of you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. And now for the sake of time, uh, we won't read on here other than I will say that Moses interceded on behalf of the people. One thing you need to realize is this. With these people, there were times God would get angry with them. But Moses wasn't angry. And there was times Moses was angry with them, but God wasn't angry. And when God was angry, Moses would talk God down. And the other, the verse, what did I, when God was angry, Moses would talk God down. When God was, I, you know what I'm trying to say. When Moses was mad, God had talked Moses down. When God was mad, Moses talked God down. But at different times, each of them wanted to disinherit these people and, and obliterate them. You know God's a person. He really is. He's just, he's, he has emotions and feelings just like you and I. But if Moses and God had ever gotten mad at these people at the same time, I wouldn't have wanted to be the children of Israel. How about you? And so, 
But Moses intercedes, and as a result, now listen, as a result, God promises not to destroy all of them with a plague. So that's good that we can intercede. Can you say amen to that? Now look at verse 20, Numbers 14, 20. As a result of Moses' prayer, the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Now that's good. God's very gracious and merciful. And so he, dis- he, he agrees not to destroy the whole nation. Verse 21. But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse 22. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness. And if they put me to the test now these ten times. And if we took the time, we could go. There were ten specific times where God, uh, where the Israelites put God to the test. God came through for them. And every single time they complained. Real loud say complain. Complain, complain, complain. They were complaining. They complained all the time. And I I don't have the time now to go through those ten specific times. But let's read on. And they've not heeded my voice. Verse 23. They certainly shall not see. See? Complaining will cost you. Now God didn't wipe them all out right then. But notice what he does say. They will not see the land of which I swore to their fathers. Do you see that? Cost them, didn't it? Nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, or we could say it this way, he has a different attitude about him. I want you and me to have the attitude that Caleb had. We can do it. We can do whatever God says we can do. He has a different attitude about him, a different spirit in him, and he's followed me fully. I'll bring into the land where he, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. So what did God just say? He said, all these other people aren't going in, these complainers, but Caleb will get to go in. Now look at verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Is, is complaining an evil thing? Yes. I have heard the complaints. See, there it is. Again, complaints which the children of Israel make against me. You need to remember, God's listening. Even when you're alone and you don't think anybody else is listening and you're complaining, God's listening. Verse 28. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. Now, if you're taking notes, if you want to learn something about God, let me teach you something about God. If you ever come against somebody that God has put his hand on. The very thing that you do to that person, God is going to do that to you. Did you get what I just said? Like Haman in the Old Testament. Haman was going to put Mordecai, the man of God, was going to put him on the, on, on the gallows. But guess what? It wasn't too long. Haman was hanging on those gallows that he had prepared for the man of God. Whatever you try to do to God's people, God will turn that around and do it to you. Also, be careful about, because I've been walking with God a long time, I've learned some things about Him. Be careful about judging other people. Be careful about shooting your mouth off of what you would do to somebody else or how you would, oh, well, so-and-so did such-and-such. They need to, you know, boy, I tell you what, if I was the judge, I'd do this, 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 and this to them. Well, guess what? The time's going to come where everything you proclaimed against the judgment against that person, that very thing is going to happen to you. Unless you repent. 
Uh, if you don't remember David, how many remember when David uh, committed adultery and had, he had Uriah put to death? How many of you remember that? You remember that? And Nathan the prophet came to him and David, he told him that story about the little ewe lamb and David got mad and David essentially pounded the desk and he said, the man that did that thing, he needs to be punished fourfold. How many remembers that? And, and Nathan looked at David and he said, you're the man. And guess what? God forgave David right on the spot. But as you look at the rest of David's life, there was a fourfold penalty that he paid for, and it came right out of his own mouth. God will judge you a lot of times right out of your own mouth. Therefore, be merciful to other people. Did you hear what I just said? So there's a lesson right there. Be merciful. He said, he said, verse 28, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. Verse 29. Now watch this. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. So God wasn't going to hold the children accountable. God's gracious. Verse 30. He said, except for Caleb and Joshua, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. Think about that. Are you learning anything here today? I hope so. And then he says, but your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in. See, they were afraid for their children. They said, surely our children will die. What they were really saying is they were saying God wasn't big enough to protect our children. And God's just saying, hey, you're not going to go in, but I'll look after your children. And I'll be sure that they'll be okay. Isn't God good? He said, I'll bring them in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses will fall in the wilderness. Does it, is it, will it cost you to be a complainer? Yes or no? It costs you dearly. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness, this is verse 33, 40 years. Now watch it. 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. Verse 34, according to the, now watch this, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land. How many days did they spy out the land? Forty days. For each day you will bear your guilt for what? One year. So they were wandered how long? Forty years. And you shall know my rejection. Interesting. It's not okay to complain. You see, if we sin against the Lord and we repent, God will forgive us. But there's a lot of times there's, there's things we set in motion with our actions and with our tongue. It's like David. He was forgiven of the murder. He was forgiven of the adultery instantly. But it cost him, dear friends. His, his sin cost him. Is that right? I mean, if I went out and robbed a bank after the service here and I got caught, and I repented, really repented, God would forgive me, but would I still have to answer to the penal code, to the judicial system? Yeah. Look at verse 35. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation, see, complaining is evil, who are gathered together against me in the wilderness. They shall be consumed and they shall die. Now look at verse 36. Now the men of whom Moses sent to spy out the land... Now, now he's going to get these ten. Now watch this. He promised not to consume the whole nation, but watch it. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, 
those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by a plague before the Lord. See that? Now, I stop right there. I want you to think about that. Cost them their lives, didn't it? But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Is that wonderful? Now, I want to teach you something else about repentance here. Look at verse 39. Then Moses told these words to the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Now, if you study into that, they mourning greatly. How many of you know there's such a thing as crocodile tears? How many knows what crocodile tears are? They're not real. There's a difference between regret and repent. Repenting is really having a heart change and turning and changing your behavior. Regret is just you're sorry you got caught. How many of you know Judas who betrayed Jesus? The Bible said he repented, but you study that word repent. He didn't repent. He regretted. He was just sorry he got caught. He was just afraid of the consequences he was going to suffer. And you see the people here... Now, those ten have just died that brought back the bad report. But these people here, they mourned greatly, but, but they're really not in repentance. They're just in, in, in regret, and we'll see it. And they rose up early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, Here we are. We will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. See, it was just words. It wasn't really in their heart. What, what, what do we see here? God wanted the spies to come back. He wanted them all to give that good report. Yeah, there's some bad things over there in the land, but we're well able to take it. God said we could take it. We're going to go over there, bless God, and we're going to take the land. And God would have been with them, and they'd have marched through that land just like they did 40 years down the road with Joshua. They'd have taken Jericho. They'd have taken all. They'd have, that's what God wanted for these people to do right here and then. But they brought that bad report back, ten of them did all the congregation believed it right they wanted to stone joshua and caleb now these 10 people have died in a plague that brought back the evil report and now the people say okay okay we've thought different of it let's go here we are up on the hill let's go let's go on in now and take the land but watch what happens here Moses said, verse 41, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. Now let's learn a lesson here. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there, are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword because you... Why? Because you've turned away from the Lord, the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up by the mountaintop. Nevertheless... Neither the Ark of the Covenant nor the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back. What's the lesson here? You need to learn this about God and your walk with God. As you walk with the Lord. Now I know they were under the law and we're under grace and thank God for that. But these principles here that I'm going to talk to you about now are very, are very true. I've seen them in my own life. I've seen them in other people's lives. When we miss it, if and when we miss it, we can repent. God will forgive us. No question about that. True for them, true for us. In the Old Covenant, New Covenant. But as you walk with the Lord, you're going to find 
there's, there's going to be different times in your life where God is going to want you to do something and he's going to open up a window or he's going to open up a door. And that door will only be open for a while. And when it opens, you need to be sensitive to the Spirit. And when that opens, you need to walk through it when it's open because it won't be open all the time. Did you get what I just said? How many of you got what I just said? And there's too many Christians think that, well, God opens a door and I can just fiddle-faddle around over here and I can just be disobedient and I can just do whatever I want and that door is always going to be open for me. Nothing could be any further from the truth. Now, if you sin, you can repent. If you really repent, God will forgive you and you go right on. But I'm talking about in every Christian's life, there's always, as you walk with the Lord, there's different times where a door of opportunity will open. A window or a door, whatever, something will open. I've seen this in my own life. And there's been a few of them that have opened, and I was ready, and I walked through when God wanted me to walk through. That's one of the reasons I'm living where I'm living today, because a door opened, and I won't get into all the deals with it, but I live very, God's really blessed me and my wife. A door opened, and I was ready to walk through it, and we walked through it, and no more than we got through it, the door slammed shut, and it has an open sense. It probably will never open again, and if, I, if we hadn't walked through that door when it opened, we wouldn't be living where we're living right now. And, 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 and you didn't put me where I'm living right now. Not one penny of tithe money put me where I'm at. Say amen, somebody. You hear what I just said? Because a door opened, didn't it? Supernaturally opened. I tried to open that door for, for, for 25, 30 years. I tried to open that door. And it never opened, never opened, never opened, never opened. And then supernaturally, when it was time, the door opened and we walked through it. And then just as soon as we walked through, within just a short time, the door slammed shut. The economy fell. Everybody's going bankrupt. But we walked through that door, didn't we? Isn't that wonderful? Now, that's in the natural. I've had a couple of doors open for me spiritually over the years. There's been a couple of them I've walked through. And I'm going to tell you, there's been a couple of them I've missed. And they won't open for me again. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, yeah, but God's a good God. Yes, God's a good God. Oh, yeah, but Pastor Terry, he'll open the door. No, he won't. There's some things you can miss. Hasn't got a thing in the world to do with my salvation. But it has got something to do with fulfilling the fullness of ministry and walking out some things that you need to walk out that you never do get into or you just get into just a little area of it. Did you, I'm trying to teach you some things about God this morning. You need to live sensitive and be sensitive to the Spirit. And when God opens a door, He'll let you know He's going to open it before He ever does. Be ready when He opens it. Walk through it. And then a lot of times you'll see it just shut right down. It'll never open for you again. These are some serious issues we're talking about. I'm not talking about heaven-hell issues here. I'm talking about living in the fullness that God has for you down here. Did you get what I'm saying? And these people, God had a door open for them. He, sent, he said, send the twelve out, go out, spot the land. They were all supposed to come back and say, yeah, giants over there, some bad stuff over there, bad people over there, but we're well able. And then rise up in faith, not complain, rise up in faith, the power of God goes with them. They go out there and they destroy all the enemies and walk in the fullness and get in the land. Do you see what I'm saying? But they didn't do that. The ten came back with a bad report, evil report, no faith. They all bought into it. They wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb and all of that. And now, now they want that door, now they want that door open. The door's not open now. Well, we're going to go and do it anyway. Well, you're going to do it without God, and they did it without God. 
and you see what happened, they got drove back. Did you get anything out of what I just said? What I just said is, it took me years to learn. Priceless, some priceless information here. Now let's close this up. Go to Joshua 14. We're going to move now some 45 years later. 45 years later. 45 years later. See, we've got to get away from this attitude. Well, we can just do whatever we want and then we repent and God, you know, everything will be, be fine. Look. God forgives us. Yes, everything's fine that way, but there's some things you can miss. You know, God is all about timing. Realize, say timing. There's some things you can miss out on. Not talking about going to heaven now. Not talking about that. Talking about living in the fullness God has for you down here in your everyday life. Let's go some 45 years later now. Moses has died. And Moses didn't get to go into the promised land either. And it wasn't because of, of complaining or anything like that. He disobeyed God though. And he struck the rock twice and messed up one of God's... How many of you know Jesus only needs to be struck once on Calvary, not twice? Is that right? And that rock being struck was a type of Jesus being struck. He's the rock. And, and when Moses struck the rock, he was supposed to speak to the rock the second time. Strike it the first time, but speak to it the second time. And he got angry. Moses did have it. He was just as human as you or me. The Bible says he was the most humble man, most teachable man in all the earth. But he did have a little bit of a problem with anger. You could see that when he crashed the Ten Commandments. Is that right? And then he struck that rock a second time instead of speaking to it. And he messed up one of God's, God's real big, big, God is real big on types and, and shadows and all of that, and he messed up one of God's types, and God uh, uh, didn't let him go into promised land because of that. But yet we know Moses is with God today. Is that right? God thought so much of him that when he died, he buried his own, the only man in the Bible where God buried his, his body. It wasn't a heaven-hell issue, but when he struck that rock the second time, it cost him something. It cost him. He never did get to... Did you know Moses never did get to ultimately fulfill his ministry? Because he disobeyed God. Yet he's with God today. He did, didn't cost him heaven, but it cost him the fulfilling his assignment. We need to be obedient and walk with the Lord and not complain. Is that right? So now we go 45 years down the road. Joshua 14, verse 6. Now they've come into the promised land, they've taken Jericho, they've taken all these cities, and it's time to divide up the spoils, you know, of the, of the different cities and things. Now watch this, this is so good, Joshua 14 verse 6, then the children of Judah came to Joshua, and he took over, Joshua took over for Moses, and Caleb, this is Joshua 14 verse 6, and Caleb the son, and you could read that, said, Caleb said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Now watch this. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was where? In my heart. You need to realize, I want to say this again, all 12 of those spies saw the exact same thing. But ten of them brought back the evil report, but Joshua and Caleb brought back a report of faith as it was in their heart. They saw things differently in their heart, you see. Verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. 
But I wholly followed the Lord my God. It pays to, you're going to see, it pays to wholly follow the Lord. Verse 9, so Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trod shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And as he said, these how many years? So how old is he now? He's 85. Ever since the Lord spoken this word to Moses, now remember, God's faithful. He doesn't forget your, your service and your, he doesn't forget. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, how old is he? 85 years old. You know, most people retire when they're 62, 65, 68. How old is this guy? 85. So I'm talking to everybody in here that's a senior citizen now. Listen to this. Verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Can you say amen to that? He's just as good at 85 as he was at 40. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for, for what? For going to play bingo. Huh? Yes or no? Are you following me? I'm not putting you to sleep, am I? So he's not down at Sunnybrook Manor wanting to go play bingo, is he? Huh? Where is he? At 85, he says, I'm ready for war, brother. Is that right? Let's go fight. This is a man of war here. He's a battle. He's a soldier. Both for going out and what? I'm not only going to go out, but I'm going to what? Come back. See, the soldiers back then, it was going out wasn't the thing. It was, that was just the start of it. But you need to be sure you come back in. That meant you, you survived. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Realize, say, give me this mountain. Say, give me this mountain. Don't give me another bingo chip. Give me this mountain, bless God. Nothing wrong, you know. You play bingo. I mean, that's, but, but he's not looking for bingo chips. What's he looking for? He's looking for a mountain. I'll just tell you, the Holy Ghost wants me to say this to you right now. I went to a nursing home years ago to pick up a fellow. This is back years ago when I was probably about 23 years old, and I took him to church. And it had been a long time since I'd been in a nursing home. So I was with, in one with my grandma. My Oak, we called her Oak Grammy because she's from Oakville. We called her Oak Grammy to distinguish her from the other grandma. My other grandma. And, and I, got, I got upset with the Lord because I was looking at all those people. In that, in that nursing home. And I got angry. My 22-year-old 20, boy, whatever it was. I remember we went back to the church before the service, before anybody got there. You know, I was in the sanctuary alone. The pastor was in the office. And I was out there, and this fellow we brought, he was out in the hall or whatever. And, and nobody else was there, and I was crying, and I was weeping. And I was crying, I was sad, and I was half mad. Has anybody ever been half sad, half mad? I was upset with the Lord because... Why are all those people in that home? Why are they in that home? Why are they in that home? Why are in that home? And I'm crying and weeping, half sad and half angry with the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me. It was almost like somebody standing behind me. It was real to me. Just I looked back at me, see if anybody was back there. But it was right on the inside. It was just like, and I'll never forget what the Lord said to me. It's helped me. He said, the majority of those people, he didn't say all. He said, the majority of those people are reaping what they've sown. You think about that sometime. And it's the God's honest truth. 
Let's sow to the spirit of faith. What do you say? Let's sow to the word of God. The Bible says remember God when you're young. Is that right? And he'll remember you when you get old. You learn anything? He said, verse 11, I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength now for war, both for going out and coming in. Verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day, verse 12, how the Anakin, now who are the Anakin? They're the what? The, he doesn't just want the mountain. He wants the mountain with the giants on it. He said, give me the mountain with the giants on it. See, he wanted to go take those giants out 45 years ago. He was after these giants some 45 years ago. And he's had to wait 45 years to get his hands on these guys. And now at 85, he says, I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. I'm ready to go take these guys out. I want a man like that in my church. How about you? Let's go take these guys out. And the cities were fortified. Verse 12, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out of the land as the Lord said. See, he still had that word in his heart, heart 45 years later. Verse 13, and Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron, gave Hebron to Caleb and so forth as an inheritance. Verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb to this day. Why? 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 Verse 14, why? Because he what? Come on. Because he what? Holy followed the Lord God of Israel. And then if you want to see what happened, real quick, we'll close right here. One more verse. Look at chapter 15 of Joshua, verse 14. Look what happened. Did he go do it? Yea, he did. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak, you know, the giant, from there. And I'm not even going to try to mention their names. But he drove him out. Did he get the job done? Did you learn anything today? Do you know Caleb was a man that finished well? You know, there's starters and there's finishers. Obviously, we need to start things well. But you know, a lot of Christians don't finish things well. Solomon didn't finish well. King Saul didn't finish well. Samson didn't finish well. Demas in the New Testament didn't finish well. All men who started... But didn't finish well. But Caleb started, even though he, you know, he he had to wait till he was 85 years old. Abraham started at 75. Moses really got started at 80. Caleb didn't. He, he wanted to go at 40. But did you know other people's unbelief can hinder you? Can it? And those other ten spies, their unbelief hindered him. But I tell you what, he. I tell you what. Even if you're hindered by somebody else, you just keep the dream alive in your heart and you hold on to it. Even if it takes 45 years, keep that dream alive. Keep that word alive. Keep that spirit of faith, bless God, about you, right? And then God will let you go at some point. He got to go, and he got to get that mountain and kill those giants. Can you say amen? And he finished well. Let's be Christians that finish well. What do you